Hey, welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like Capital Ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy, if you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy. You can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. These, these lessons on financial wealth that I'll be sharing about, um, I'm grateful that I learned some of them early, but there's a ton here that 
I'm only learning now. Um, and I'm not a financial advisor by any means. And I'll be sharing things that have come from my own thoughts, mistakes, approaches that have helped my own personal experience in the world of financial wealth. Uh, and it's certainly an ongoing journey. Um, my goal is to help people make more empowered and informed decisions should they want that, of course, and should they be open to it. So again, please ping people in before I kick off with my 13 lessons. Thank you for being here. It was lovely to hear you all. You're in Breakfast with Champions, the one and only. Uh, it's very inclusive. It is diverse. It is to bring everyone together through more motivation, education, inspiration, wherever in the world you are. Um, I'm from all the way down under. So it's evening here. It's Friday evening. I'm in the future for many of you. It's 7.03 p.m. And two requests if you are new here, and you might very well be, please join the club if you haven't and share that uh, this room with, with uh, that little share button in the middle there next to the scissors. If we've not met, my name's Ram. I've been professionally in, in for the last 16 years practicing in the space of human-centered design, design thinking, and have applied that to uh, the commercialized world of digital marketing, branding, customer acquisition. Um, some of the companies I've worked for include Ogilvy, McCann. Um, I was design director at DDB and Service McDonald's and Audi. And uh, most recently, I was head of digital design at Saatchi & Saatchi in Australia and primarily serviced Amex, Qantas and Toyota. And I say that not at all to, you know, beat the chest, but simply to establish um, some of the approach that I'm coming from here, you know, to, to connect with you, because I have had this enterprise level exposure and my, my, my thinking now is to, to be more intentional in sharing that to business owners small business owners especially and, and medium-sized organizations um, through advisory work through coaching um, and uh, yeah through through um, conversations like this um, now as mentioned i'll be speaking about some wealth lessons that i learned early and some wealth lessons i'm learning now i've got 13 to share uh, and let me just ping my pin my link up here in case you want to to chat further at all um i will just uh put that up here uh one moment uh actually maybe one of my co-mods can pin my uh, my my personal website up there if you may let's kick off the first lesson that i learned was that i needed to examine my relationship with money so let's start there examine your relationship with money and literally ask the question, what, what is your relationship with money? Um, I'll position it another way. What is your attitude towards money? Now, some of the dialogue that might come up for you that, that I um, had early days was, is money hard to come by? Uh, is it scarce? Is money scarce for you in your mind? Or, or is it abundant? Does it have a lot of power over you? 
or do you have a lot of power over it? Do you want more of it or are you perfectly satisfied with what you have now? Do you believe that you have a certain amount of it? Uh, that's so, so do you believe that having, having a certain amount of it um, is, is only reserved for a certain type of people or person? Like, do you ever think, ah, that's only reserved for XYZ type of person? Now, these are, there's no wrong or right here. These are just questions that I've thought of within myself over the years that, that you might connect with. And the point is to just be aware of where you're at and observe that thinking because your attitude towards money and by all means, I did not come from money. My background is of Filipino origin. Dad's one of 11, mum's one of five. They hustled to get us to even migrate to Sydney. Um, how's this for a kick in the guts? Many of you know, my dad finished marine transportation, mechanical engineering, two degrees at one of the top universities in Manila. We get to Australia, I'm a one-year-old baby. And those two degrees were not recognized. He had to work in a, fa in a factory for 20K and just make do to raise three kids. So I think we've got to establish where we sit on that scale when we talk about attitude towards money. A, a more positive outlook can actually help you feel less frustrated and more in control of your finances. Um, and so you don't feel the need to, to come from a place of pessimism or to curse others or the government even. You know, how many times have we spoken to people who, who don't start a business for the simple fact that you have to pay more tax, but guess what? It's all relative. Um, and there are strategies around that, that, that these people might not know. I certainly was one of them early days. So to get into this mindset, you know, for example, you know, think of paying taxes as a way of contributing to society, that there is an importance to the scaling of tax brackets. And this, again, it's a sensitive topic for some people, you know, helping the government improve life for everyone in exchange for some of your income. You're given some safety, some freedom and some opportunity. Now, granted, I say some because it's partial help. Some people are helped more than others, too. We, get, we won't get into that right now, but nonetheless, it's help. OK, lesson number two that I've learned that I, I found it so critical to do my best to live within or below my means. You know, I think that we all have some capacity to understand the, the, the importance of that. But like, I'll, I'll give you one example, right? Like how many of you grew up where you'd go to a restaurant and your parents wouldn't allow you to purchase a can of Coke or, 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 or a soft drink or a, you know, soda, right? because you could buy it cheaper um, at the grocery store. I mean, this was the mentality that I grew up with. And I, and I did not have the luxury of buying a drink that was four or five X the amount uh, at a restaurant. And we lived within our means and below it for the most part. I mean, that was a luxury in itself, but that principle did allow us and my, my family to eventually, you know, own their own property um, eventually, you know. 
And so what I wanted to tie in with this from a practical point of view is percentage splitting, it's percentage splitting. What, what is this percentage of your income that is needs allocated to needs? What's the percentage? What is the percentage of wants? What is the percentage of savings? And what is the percentage that is going towards your investments? Okay, so there's sort of four splits there, needs, wants, savings, investments. Now, early in my 20s, it was even simpler to me when it was explained by one of my mentors. Um, and he said, why don't you just try something that's very conservative? And it was a 70-30 rule. Again, you fluctuate whatever you're comfortable with. But the concept is simple. You can spend 70% of your monthly income after tax on needs and wants like rent, food, entertainment, and divide the other 30 percentage, uh, 30% on, uh, depending on you, you might have 10% to you know, charity. You might, you might want to give back to the community, help those in need. 10% might go to your savings that you literally don't touch. So you can accumulate that over, over a few years and then 10% to an investment of some type, right? Again, these are just, these aren't hard numbers. It depends on you, but the point is to have percentage splits and stick to them. Um, I found that when I did this, I had a more positive attitude uh, because I didn't dread parting with my hard earned money. And now my split has changed a lot because my risk tolerance has changed as well, which I'll get to in a second. There's a quote that I'm reminded of around this uh, by Jim Rohn, interestingly enough. Um, he said, poor people spend their money and save what's left. Rich people save their money and spend what's left. Something to think about. Okay, lesson number three of 13 that I learned. I worked until my debts were paid and until I had enough capital to invest. So it's a two-part process here. I, you know, a lot of people I'm noticing, uh, especially young people who ask me for advice, they, they say, Ram, you know, where, where should I spend my $5,000 that I've earned or $10,000, right? And the, the, the reality is that they everything that they have they want to they want to spend they want to they want to put into an investment and, and and a lot of it's very volatile right but you ask any seasoned investor and one of the and this is just through my experience but the ones that have accumulated such great wealth they often hone in on taking care of your debt first okay so again something to consider now a lot of this is also about, um, let's touch on working for someone else, okay, in the first place. Um, you know how people often um, say that having a job, you know, isn't the end, end goal, you know, working for someone else. Well, I'm not, I'm not too sure about that. I think it's an, it depends. And here's what I mean by that. Having a job full-time, um, actually was the enabler for me to have many different businesses now and it served me and it had its place so i don't ever want people to think that they're <laughs> you know because I, I, I don't know maybe it's just the content i've been consuming but there is a, this sort of like 
it's great to be an entrepreneur. It's great to be a business owner, but it's not necessarily for everyone. And, 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 and what I mean by that is it depends on the circumstance. It depends on the person, right? So many variables, but it also depends on the stage of the individual. So I made sure that I worked. So I paid all my debt and I had three jobs at one point. Um, early in my career. Now, granted, I graduated design school in 2004 and I had my first job in the mailroom at Ogilvy in 2005, right? We're talking like 17 years ago, but I also worked at the bar. And sometimes I took casual shifts at the surf and skate retail store. This is my truth. This is what I did to pay off my debt. And so what I want to emphasize is to understand the longer term plan that you might have for yourself. And eventually when I hit that six figure income into the, to, to the higher six figure income through my full-time job, I exhausted that method whilst also raising capital to invest. So again, I think there's a, you know, I don't want there to be any sort of feelings of failure or guilt around that because I, I, I didn't, I had to earn the capital through working. All right. Lesson number four that I learned that I never, I never left all my money in my bank. And in many ways, I felt like I let it go to work. Um, there's a few parts of this. Um, there's acquiring assets, not liabilities. You know, I was coaching a business owner recently who, who acquired a business. Hey listeners, if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you want to know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, five simple steps to an extraordinary morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorning5.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. Business for $600,000. It was a pizza manufacturing business that was profitable. And I helped him vet that it was a decent investment. And within the first year, he's already planning to buy a Mercedes for like 150,000. <laughs> like, so these are the decisions that are just not, um, they're, they're not congruent with this principle. And, 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 and so when we talk about acquiring assets, it can be anything from yes, stocks, property, real estate. Yeah, sure. And also businesses. Um, and I've really come to know that the financially wealthy accumulate these while the majority of others who might not be in that bracket of wealth, they accumulate assets to create the illusion that they're wealthy. Um, so I, I believe that one of the most important things is to work towards eliminating this thinking, but also to begin to trade what you're earning, which is at the beginning for time and then explore ways to earn money as they say in your sleep, you can start small. I did. I had affiliate programs because I had blogs. I had, uh, I had a blog 
post website that did and does very well. And it contributed and builds over time. I recommended products that I hand on heart backed and believed in. I did write two books. They bring me continual sales. I do have creative live uh, classes. So any type of digital products, online courses, if they're valuable, they will sell. Ad revenue. Yes, these are all the ways you can. There is a lot of different ways, but you do have to start small and it has to be something that you also build over time. Or you can go at it a bit bigger, like real estate. You know, I bought my first property at 26, uh, which was a big deal for me. Um, and that reaped many rewards in terms of allowing me the equity to buy my second, my third, and then now going on my fourth, right? But investigate where your money is going and let it go to work. All right, lesson I learned number five, I learned that I could never be wealthy by taking zero risks. I had to learn how to take calculated risks. Many understand this concept um, of the risks being proportional to the rewards. But have we actually taken any? A question that I ask businesses who pitch me and, and fellow investors, they pitch to us and, and I ask them how many, uh, so I ask them how much money have you invested? in your own business. And I just want to know how much skin you have in the game because it's an immediate qualifier of their commitment. High rewards do come with high risk, but risk is a word that gets thrown around a lot by investors. Um, it can mean many different things to different people. For some, risk is tied to losing money, whereas some might see it as volatility. But in every case, risk is always attached to rewards. What are you gaining? A relationship which also shapes your investment choices. So to put it simply, don't expect big payouts if you play it safe. It's exactly what was the previous lesson. If you just leave your money in the bank account and at the same time, be prepared for a bumpy ride on the other end, if you're hunting big rewards, nothing is free. We pay with time, money, energy, sweat, tears, ego, all of the above. And the, this risk reward ratio that we're talking about, it varies depending on the asset classes when it comes to investing. Um, so for example, okay, let's, let's talk about stocks for a second, stocks, bonds, and cash. Actually, there was a, a recent, uh, insert that I saw from 1928 through to 2013 found this fascinating, right? So that 1928 all the way back then to 2013 stocks returned 6.5% bonds returned 1.9% and cash returned 0.5%. So why is, uh, why are stocks yielding the highest returns? but they're also most susceptible to the greatest losses at particular times, like what we're seeing now. Why are stocks so inconsistent? Well, there's a few variables. Stock values are based on the dividends and other earnings they'll yield in the future. So we're taking a punt for the most part. 
the punt is on the people, the management, the team running the business and the nature of the financial market as a whole. So stocks, in other words, right, it involves a lot of risk. Bonds earned three times less than stocks and they're considered a little less risky. But why is that the case? Well, investors are more likely to get the return within a fair amount of time. It's pretty measured. The, this in turn is reflected in the lower risk premium of the bonds and cash, of course. Why is it the safest? Well, it's stable, <laughs> but this safety and stability, it's got lower returns with annual returns. I said it's 0.5% after inflation. You'd, you'd have to wait 150 years to double your investment. So these are just some of the benefits and risks uh, of three asset classes. There are many others, but you can consider based on the appropriation uh, for your circumstance. Okay, lesson six, I created an investment plan tailored to my personality. Okay, everyone has heard of different types of personality quizzes. There's plenty online. They're a lot of fun. They can come in handy, but I'm specifically talking about personality type associated to investing. So in terms of general personalities, there's a great one, 16personalities.com. But I want you to Google investment risk profile tool. Google search that investment risk profile tool. Feel free for someone to put that on the chat because there's a lot depending on the country that you're on and living in. But you'll find things like, are you a, do you like to follow trends? Are you a short-term trader or are you a diversified asset allocator? But don't guess, use these tools out there. Uh, and it's your job to find the one that fits your personality like a glove, right? Like my wife is, has a very different risk tolerance to me. So ask yourself what your core investment values are and whether a certain style fits your behavioral habits and personal situation because it can also change, right? So are you a risk taker or do you want to hold your assets for many, many, many years? When you figure this out, you'll then be able to create your own investment plan. But don't underestimate this step. This is a practical tip that you can use right now to help you. Again, just Google investment risk profile tool. Um, and the benefit of this is that you can choose what to do each day in order to reach that long-term goal that you, you've set for yourself. Again, from stocks to bonds to combining a, a mix of assets in your portfolio. Uh, you might want to plan to buy, you might want to sell, right? You should actually do this ongoing once every couple of years. Check your risk profile. Lesson number seven that I learned, be sure to spend your time with the right people. <laughs> now, if we're completely transparent, ask yourself, right? How much do our friends influence us? Um, because they do whether or not we realize it. If you hang out around people who are careless with their money, for example, you might find yourself spending irresponsibly as well. I certainly did at a, at a point in time. If your friends go out to see sports matches every weekend, yeah, chances are you'll end up tagging along. These scenarios actually aren't that bad, but what if your friends have habits that are more destructive than that? In that case, you know, you'll find, 
maybe you'll end up adopting similar harmful habits. One example is if you surround yourself with liars and cheaters, you might begin to see their behaviors as normal. And before you know it, you might find yourself lying and cheating as well. So this is hard as well. These are tough conversations. It's hard to admit that our friends, especially proximity, we've grown up with them. Gosh, it's tough. They could be quote unquote bad influences, but if you're honest with yourself, you can deal with these relationships before they get to a serious damaging level. So consider, um, start by thinking about the main relationships in your life. Ask yourself a few fundamental questions like, who do you spend your time with? Challenge you, you, you to, to look at your one month calendar and go, who did I spend my time with in the last month or three months? What, what were you doing with them? What are they doing with you? And are these associations and activities okay with you? Just be honest and don't dismiss the powerful influence your friends and acquaintances. They might have really great influence on you. And if you've answered these, I think you'll be able to pinpoint which ones that you might need to adapt and change. Um, for some of you, you might be going, oh shit, maybe I just need to go cold turkey. You might, you might need to disassociate yourself from certain people completely. Um, but that's a decision that you've, you have to make for yourself. Um, because the other aspect of this is of course, what is the cost of, of inaction or what is the cost if I don't change? Um, so let's move on to the eighth lesson of 13 here. I learned how to be satisfied regardless of the size of my bank account. Okay, this one hits home for me a lot because I just never had a big bank account at one point um, in my mind. Um, so we often hear stories of the ultra rich, right? These celebrities or public figures, business people even who, who we can see their, um, their publicly exposed net worths, but, but so many too are unhappy despite their wealth. How is that possible? And I've been thinking about this when they've reached the peaks of success. Um, unfortunately, although these people have earned, earned huge fortunes, um, they've likely never learned how to be satisfied with what they have. And you can just see that through behavior. Um, and we've heard that saying money can't buy happiness, you know, <laughs> I think there are instances where it certainly can, but, but the point is more money will make us do what? Can it make us more confident? Maybe. Can it make us more charismatic? Not sure. But can it make us more generous? I don't know. I don't think so. In the reality of, of this sort of values assessment, if you'd like to call it, imagine someone who tends to drink too much at a social gathering, right? That, that's a common thing. There's one person that drinks a lot that you might have a friend or even family member. It's true. Yeah. What would happen if that person's financial wealth increased? He or she wouldn't just stop drinking like that. Likely the extra money would just get them the ability to buy even more alcohol, worsening their habit. And I've personally witnessed this unfolding 
with peers and acquaintances around me. It's it's uh, something Robbins, uh, Anthony Robbins, have, has has said many times that um, that money is an amplifier of who we already are. If we're already, if we're not generous, what makes you think more money would make you more generous? Now there is a a bright side to, to all this. Um, there is a flip. Um, there's a, a thing that one of my mentors shared to me many years ago, and he said, uh, you can increase your fulfillment by shifting to a $10 mentality. And I was like, what, what do you mean by that? So he explained it to me in this way, um, if I can recall, he said, imagine getting, I don't know, a manicure and a pedicure, and this person giving you this service has done an excellent job. And now you've got to decide whether to tip this person $1 or $10 bit of a difference, right? Well, which one will make you feel better in the long run? Now, if you tip $1, you'll save money, sure. But you'll probably end up feeling like a bit of a cheapskate afterwards, <laughs> especially when you can give a bit more. And by being generous and tipping $10, especially to someone if they've done a great job, right? If you tip them $10, you'll feel prosperous and confident. And I've experienced this firsthand, um, as I said, I'm from the Philippines originally. And, and um, when I went one one time pre-pandemic, um, I had a, a massage at the uh, Shangri-La at their wellness center. And then I didn't have any change. And I just gave the masseuse the, 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 the payment and she gave me the money back, the change. And then I said... I said, oh, now nah, it's all good. Keep it. She didn't understand me immediately. She thought that I, I didn't understand that it was my change. But I said, no, no, I get it. But it's a tip. You take it. We kind of paused and she just broke down crying. I said, well, why, why are you crying? It was about like $8 US, I would say. And she said, that's, that's what I get in, in a day. Like what you're giving me is what I get in a day and how she was saying she's got three kids and she travels two and a half hours one way to work there. So that was huge for me. Um, lesson number nine, and I know uh, Justin's up next, but I'm going to churn through these. Um, number nine, early on in my investing journey, I learned what not to do. There's a lot of books and videos and content uh, about how to be a successful investor, but few reveal what not to do, in my opinion. Um, there's actually a gentleman named Nick Murray. He's a financial advisor, and I've heard him say that the investors who correct common mistakes can boost their yearly returns by 3 to 4%. That's significant. If there's one thing you should avoid from the outset, what I've learned, it's expecting to get rich fast. <laughs> All right, today it seems that when we're not short of being obsessed with discovering the key, the hack, the, the quick thing to get immediate wealth. But the truth is, I don't believe that it exists. Anyone claiming to have a secret to instant financial wealth is, is fooling themselves or, or attempting to fool you. Um, another common mistake is overconfidence. Uh, markets are incredibly difficult to predict because of the variables that we spoke of earlier, the, the things outside human control. And overconfident investors tend to forget this. And I have at one point. Um, for example, 
you know, you might invest a lot of money into a stock that did well for a few months and then end up suffering considerable losses shortly after that. Um, there's another mistake to avoid, I think, which is to resist the, temp the temptation to follow the herd. We tend to do what a lot of people in the masses do because it feels safer after all, right? So many people are doing it. How can they be wrong? Well, unfortunately they can. And uh, we saw this in the real estate bubble in, in the mid 2000s. Um, people bought property they couldn't afford because everyone else was also buying more than they could afford. But the bubble burst and many lives were in disarray. So do your financial wealth building and, and, and do it with due diligence yourself do, and, and make sure that you are putting your own well-being first. All right, 10 of 13, I realize that successful investors are emotionally aware and they keep their cool and stay alert. Um, I'll, I'll wrap up this, this particular point, um, but effectively it has to do with emotional intelligence, the ability to recognize and manage your own feelings and, and those, the feelings that exist between people. Um, we need to know how our emotions influence our actions and the people around us. And when it comes to investing, it has a lot to do with the success of our financial wealth. Um, because if you're an investor who feels upbeat and adventurous on a given day, you might be likely to make reckless, potentially devastating decisions if you're not careful. So just pause a little and recognize when your emotions are clouding your rational judgment. Um, you know what, I'm, I have to say this example. I remember Roger Federer in the Australian Open. He had seven match points against him, seven against him. And he still won the match. You know, this is what I mean about really slowing and pausing and letting your emotions calm. You know, um, being emotionally aware of yourself good investors are always alert. You know, if they don't, especially when they don't know something, if they don't know their way around a market or a scheme or a policy, they stay out of it. For instance, if you wanted to invest in the stock market in China, you'd have to ask yourself first whether you truly understand that market. If not, then don't get involved. You simply won't be able to identify the risks like a developing bubble. It might be too late. All right, 11 of 13, has to be said, yes, diversify your portfolio. I won't expand on that. But the part two to this is stick to it. Diversify and stick to it. Um, the 12th of 13 is you may become, I'll put it this way, you, this is a bit more abstract, but hopefully it hits home for a lot of people. I learned that you become wealthy in your mind long before you become wealthy in your bank account. And the 13th of 13th lesson that I want to share is it has been cited by many different places, I think as far back as 1968, but it's, it's this saying that a rich person has a thousand wishes. A sick person only has one. So amongst all your wealth building, financially or otherwise, take care of your health. Your health is your biggest asset. 
So those are the 13 lessons I've personally learned. I hope that they might have sparked something in you. I'm happy to share these 13. Just Instagram DM me. Uh, I don't know, just send me write the number 13 or just ask me for the dot points that I shared on Instagram, please, not on my Clubhouse DMs. And I'm happy to message you that. Uh, and any quick thoughts before I pass the mic to, to, to Justin? Maybe we'll just get one or two people to just share some quick thoughts if they're inspired to. Yeah, I was going to say thanks. go for it. Just dealing with uh, getting my headphones set up, so you're good to go, Rams. Oh, excellent! Thank you, Justin. Yeah, we'll spend maybe two, three minutes. Anyone want to uh, grab the mic? Maybe just say hello or just comment whatever's top of mind. Just say your this, name and go for it. This is America Supermom, and I love the part about the uh, tipping uh, to uh, grow with your generosity. So I love that part. Amazing really really powerful that was that was a big one for me too thank you so much i know someone was uh, tapping their mic just that uh, thomas yeah go you go ahead thomas um thank uh, thank you for that message is i took i i understood quite a few things there so i think there was something around values what do you value because one thing i took out from that as well as values because you've got to know what you value most and that leads to what you believe in and being able to direct what you believe you understand about life and what direction one intends to take and scarcity and abundance mindset you know knowing what's the level of contentment you're working towards and the level of um giving you know gratitude so that's there's a quite a very few keynotes there so i could easily tend them to some other things so it's more having a very good um abundance mindset rather than discussing the mindset worrying about what you can control something that's out of your control so sometimes it's always good to use something within your control to actually affect that externally if possible and values because values is very key in what you mentioned because what do we value you mentioned something around your friends going out and keeping the cost up because you're trying to live the same life they're living yes it depends on what one values because once you're with the wrong crowd sometimes that could easily happen yeah thanks for that yeah. excellent thomas and thomas where are you where are you calling in from mate where where are you tuning in from, from london from london oh excellent yeah. excellent well welcome welcome thank you for being here maybe we get uh we got porsche uh porsche hop on in and then a amen as well and then we'll, we'll pass the mic to justin porsche take the mic hi yeah so hi everybody my name is Portia Mystique the thing that really caught my attention was the fact that you said that rich people acquire assets over liability and people who aren't necessarily in that tax bracket unintentionally I think acquire liabilities over assets to create the illusion that they are wealthy and that just kind of stuck out to me because I look at my entire family <laughs> my own family and I and I see who's doing what and I'm the first out of my siblings to have a business and I'm seeing the lifestyle that they're living and my sister actually at this point at her nine to five she earns a commission for what she does so she makes a significant amount of money even though she has the hourly wage um, and definitely I'm at a point where I'm doing a lot of investing and not so much banking, you know, like uh, this money isn't just like liquid. I don't have a lot of liquid because I, I put my money in a bunch of different places, but I'm, I'm living an okay lifestyle. I'm, I'm in the tax bracket that I want to be in and my business is growing and I'm creating a lot of, I'm 
in the process of getting assets. But here she is, she's spending and she's living what looks like a lavish life. So she has the latest iPhone. She's getting all the new gaming systems. I'm, I'm a huge gamer. So she like got her PS5 before I did. I don't even own my PS5 yet. Um, she's like she's doing a lot of stuff and it looks incredible. And I have my younger sister who's 16 years old and she's looking at us and she's like, I wanna have the life of my other sister, my oldest sister. And I'm thinking to myself, yes, because it looks good, but when push comes to shove and we have a rainy day, where are her assets? And I tried having this conversation with her, <clears throat> excuse me. I tried having this conversation with my older sister to say, how many assets do you have? She doesn't have any, she doesn't invest in stocks. She does not own her car. She's renting uh, her house, you know, things like that. No assets, nothing is working for her. Mm. And then I have my younger sister who looks at me and says, well, Portia, you're not, I mean, you have a business and that's great, but you can't really do anything. You can't just go on vacations. You can't, I'm like, yeah, I can't, <laughs> I can't just pack up my things and fly out to the Bahamas for a week. No, I can't do that right now because I'm in the process of gaining assets. And I think that's so, so important for young people to learn because young people are just seeing what we're doing. They don't know what we're doing. So she'll see my older sister and say, yes, I want that lavish lifestyle with the latest tech and able to hop on a flight and go here and go there and yeah. not seeing the behind the scenes. I yield the mic. Yeah, no, it's pouring out of your Porsche. I can feel that it really landed. And this is why we're here because it is important to either course correct or feed us to keep going uh, and i hear you i hear you i think uh, I'll, I'll just um quickly insert a comment which which is just a, a thought it's there is no judgment here in my mind because it is up to the individual but the question has to be asked you know for you as an individual for anyone listening where are you anchoring yourself for what fulfills you and for some of us, like me, I'm going for something much more ambitious than the day-to-day. -day. I'm going for generational wealth, shifting that, and I'm, and I'm building something bigger than me in, in my mind. So, so that with, 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 great, uh, with a great uh, sort of ambitious goal like that, it is going to require proportional payment. And I also look at payment as not what we give, but what we need to give up. So hopefully that lands. I'll just go with Eamon. Eamon, take 30 seconds. Sorry uh, to put a time on there, but uh, we, I will need to pass the mic. Uh, Eamon, hop on in. Um, okay. Um, uh, my greetings to all of you guys, uh, whatever you are. Um, this is Eamon. Uh, uh, it's Eamon. It's not Eamon. Uh, Eamon, my believe. apologies. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It's not, it's not about apology. Uh, of course, no worries. But I want what I wanted to to say uh, that my name means belief. And while you were talking, that that your your words really resonates with me. What you believes, what what, what you what your values um, are, is really what's what's important. What the mindset that you have that really makes can make a shift, guys. Uh, your your words. Um, Aram took me deep in, into my soul and 
and that that really made me ask a lot of questions but yeah um we, we a lot or a lot of us are uh, have been raised up on that poor mindset uh having the contentment and, and the satisfaction of what we have and and believing in what in, in our potentials that what can make uh things going better and, and and better and 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 brings up what the best in us and brings up um uh, a great person like you mike i'm grateful for being here with you guys grateful for what for every what you said uh ram uh thank you and and i hope i i don't exceed the time <laughs> thank you no amen thank you this is this is for everyone so thank you so much for sharing your voice uh we want to ensure that everyone feels heard and seen and represented uh, especially the underrepresented voices so iman you are a gift to us being here and, and honestly i i feel you i saw your message in the chat uh, happy to continue the chat iman real quick where did where are you calling in from where are you tuning in what country uh, egypt egypt beautiful there you go we're connecting from all over the world iman thank you so much thank you everyone appreciate your time Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.